0: This is Mornings with Ian Smith
1: on SENZ. Yeah, Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you all. I hope uh, this is the start of a very good and fine week as we still clean up in certain areas of the country, expecting a bit of rain up uh, north as well, so uh, batting down the hatches again by the sound of things. Uh, if you uh, need your agricultural uh, equipment of course you can go to Brant, uh, our show sponsor we're uh, so proud to be associated with them they've got all that john deere magnificent john deere equipment available to you so uh, check out uh, their many many branches uh, just uh, after uh, the sermon coming up we'll be speaking very quickly to jonathan norman uh, jonathan of course is with uh, talk sport commentating the test match at the Basin and reserve we'll have a chat to him uh, we'll look at cricket uh, pretty much for the first uh, half hour um, of course, Australia, again, uh, crowned Women's T20 World Champions. we of have some highlights from that. Uh, Jacob Spoonley after 9.30. Jacob Spoonley, of course, former All-White. Plenty happening in football over the weekend. Then uh, Ian Jones, former All-Black, of course. Carmo will be with us just after 10 uh, as we look at uh, Round 1 of the Super Rugby Pacific. Uh, the panel with uh, Jamie Wall and uh, Ollie Ritchie uh, after uh, 10.20 and uh, then we shall talk to Vossi just after 11 o'clock. We'll have a stump smithy around about 11.30. We'll visit the sports desk with uh, Logan Swinkles as well, so uh, plenty to come through in the next three hours.
2: Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's sermon.
1: Well, so much for home advantage over the weekend. No matter what your preference was, five out of six Super Games won by the visitors. Only the trek to Perth proving a little too much for the Rebels, and get used to Eddie Jones' scowl, it was ever increasing as he watched Brad Bradthorne's Reds copper pummeling from the impressive Hurricanes. A timely reminder that there is still a golf, and they won't be gapping at any time soon. Okay, so how much in Kane do we trust now? Four runs shy of eclipsing Ross Taylor's all-time record is only a shot away, but the big picture, and let's face it, it's always been about the team for Kane, is whether he can bat the lion's share of today at the basin. This is a test match New Zealand can win. They have to be thinking that, that they can bat all day, and ask England to chase something very healthy tomorrow. We, knew they, we know that they will chase it, because Baz and co. took the draw off the table from day one. Ordinarily, You'd be thinking Henry Nichols is batting for his immediate test life today, but he's probably shown enough of the old to eclipse Will Young's two failures. And as Jimmy Anderson and his 40-year-old legs hop on the van to go to the base, and as we speak, the pins will be telling him that if they don't make the brand-new kookaburra work first up this morning, he might need some help to get back in said van to get back home tonight. Let's not kid ourselves, the bookies have it right. England are essentially about four good pieces of cricket away from victory. New Zealand about 10 hours. Uh, The commentator's favorite saying is never more apt, the next session is crucial. The most crucial in the match. And if ball beats uh, bat this morning, Baz will be in the boozer a little earlier than normal. Rightio, let's uh, get straight down to uh, Jonathan Norman because uh, he's a very busy man. In fact, the play starts a little half an hour earlier because they're still in catch up mode in terms of time lost. So, Jonathan, thanks very much for your time this morning. We have know we've uh, only got you briefly. Uh, how do you assess the situation? What's the weather like down there?
3: Yeah, good morning to you, Smithy. I'm just being, I'm being driven to the ground by Steve Harmison. There's not many people that can oh say my that. are just on the way.
1: Oh, my God. I know.
3: He's been driving me all over New Zealand. He drove from Mount Manganui down to Wellington in one go, pretty much. Well, actually, no. We did stop off at the best pie shop in New Zealand, according to a um, a, a local. But, uh, yeah, look, how how's my <laughs> Well, first off, the conditions here are absolutely beautiful. Um, I think the conditions are going to be set fair all day. It might be a little bit cloudy, but this is easily the best morning. Best morning's weather we've had in Wellington. So... We're going to get a game. Uh, anybody who's lumped on a draw might be... Well, we'll see at the end of the day, actually. But I think uh, slightly... Uh, I think we're going to get a result. Um, I think England are still favourites. But, uh, you know, the old uh, adage, Smithy, you know, if uh, Williamson... One of Williamson and Nichols, is still there at lunch, you know, with a, with a Mitchell or, or possibly a Blundell and uh, a lead, you know, just creeping past 100 because... Whilst New Zealand were a little bit on the go slow yesterday, it's, uh, it is an extended session, two and a half hours. Um, you know, the match just continues to, to confound and, and it, it certainly brings New Zealand back into the equation because, of course, they need to win to keep this proud record that you've got at home over the last five or six years going.
1: Jonathan, uh, I, I guess we, should, we really only have to ask uh, the man himself, but uh, Jimmy Anderson's legs, I mean, goodness me, he's 41 shortly. Um, I, I just wonder if it doesn't work for him early on in the piece and this new ball doesn't work, how much there's left?
3: I think it's a, it's a, it's a very good question, and it's one that uh, we'll find out today. It's not just Jimmy, is it? Because Stuart, um, uh, Ben Stokes only bowled a couple of overs and was clearly in pain. Um, and this is the problem, isn't it? By not giving his bowlers a little bit of a rest, by enforcing the follow-on. You know, England have been bowling now for, what, five and a half sessions? They, If New Zealand can get through this first session, it'll be pushing towards six and seven. Um, and as well as Leach bowled yesterday, and he did really well to hold up an end, it's asking, asking a hell of a lot. I think, I think we'll, we all believe that if this was a three-match series, like the one that's going to be taking place here at the end of next year, then Stokes wouldn't have enforced a follow-on. Uh, the fact that there isn't any more Red Bull cricket until June, um, I think was part of the reason that he... he, he he fancied it. He thought his bowlers had enough in them, but it's a risk, and uh, it's, uh, it's a risk that. And he's, he's a risky captain, so um, mm. you know we've uh, we've celebrated that up to now. I, I don't think we can criticise, but yeah, certainly it's uh, it was a risk, and we'll find out today whether it pays off.
1: So, Harry Brock just I know you've you've uh, almost hit the ground, but Harry Brock is he um, uh, the, the best thing since KP in terms of that mode that mode or that mould of batting?
3: Yes, I think he is. Um, I did a function last night with John Bracewell, who, you know, and and Harmy, and you know, Harmy, Harmy is, uh, you know, they're both fulsome in praise in regard to how good Harry Brook can be and is. You know, he he already seems set, but what will be interesting is when, as John Bracewell said last night, there will be a chink. It will be discovered a little bit like Gilchrist was. You know, ten years into his career, people work out batters much quicker these days. So. It's about how he gets past that, you know. It's about when he has his first little struggle at test level because I can't think of any... Well, nobody scored more test runs than he has after, what, nine test matches in the history of the game. So, you know, in terms of introductions, it, it, it bypasses KP and Joe Root in terms of runs. Maybe not in terms of pressure. KP had to, you know, play... His first ODI series was in South Africa and his first test series pretty much was against Australia. So, you know, that was pressure. But, um... He'll be tested, but as things stand, he looks a ridiculous and quite extraordinary talent.
1: So, we know the draw is off the table. uh, Right from uh, day one of of his um, tenure, Brendan McCullum basically said that. We win, we lose, but the draw is off the table. So, uh, whatever happens, whatever they're going after, uh, they will go after with relish. Um, I just wonder, what do you figure on that surface, as you see it at the moment, is going to uh, test England?
3: I think a target of 220 to 250 would make this it, it, this could be a, an absolute little classic of a game. Um, whether it will test them, who knows? What it test them? This is a new, this is an English side that's chased down 350, you know, against New Zealand and India. So I, I don't know what tests them, but you know, it's one thing. To, it's very difficult to be in a position where you know you're on top and then you're you're in danger of not just losing a match, you're in danger of squandering the series as well. So. The pressure will be on even if mccullum and stokes will say otherwise and of course new zealand after really battening down the hatches and clinging on for the majority of this 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 series will suddenly believe and you'll see the, the chest's being thrust out shoulders back i've just got a feeling that southey is really bold without much reward so you know could it be his day i i don't know but i reckon 220 to 250 and we could have a we could have a little classic
1: uh, just finally, the bigger picture um, is around the corner. You said no ball, red ball cricket till June. Well, we know where that is. Uh, that's the Ashes. And when you see Australia, who have sort of imploded in the last two weeks, I mean, I was in Australia. They were outstandingly dominant over uh, the West Indies and South Africa. But they've imploded in terms of personnel In terms of, I don't know, just the feel about what they're doing there. Where are you? Th- where are you thinking now? The Ashes.
3: Well, I'm a lot more confident than I was six months ago, if that's for sure. The emergence of, of Harry Brook, the emergence of even you know, a player like Ben Duckett, return to form of route and you know the brilliant captaincy and coaching that we've had from McCullum and Stokes. And, you know, you've got surplus stock when it comes to fast bowlers as well, Archer and Wood ready to come in. And we've got to fit Johnny Bairstow in as well. So in terms of the English setup, yeah, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but they couldn't be in a better place. Really, you know, I might change my tune in 24 hours if they lose this test. But, you know, it's been an extraordinary turnaround in fortunes. And you could say similar about Australia, really, you know, but I wouldn't be too fooled by that series against South Africa. You were out there. We were enjoying your commentary on TV back in the UK. Uh, Neil Manthorpe, part of the commentary team on TalkSport, he was out there as well for ABC. And South Africa are, are, are a poor side, aren't they? And, you know, they were beaten outside. I know they beat England. It was a very good, very good toss to win at Lawton. But essentially... <laughs> They were beaten out of sight by the end of that tour. So, but similarly, it's not unheard of for teams to fall apart in India. It's not unheard of for Australian teams to fall apart in India. In the same way that New Zealand sides and England sides fall apart in Australia, you know. So, Australia will be better. I think the fact that they've got Cameron Green coming back into their side that gives them their balance back. Obviously, a terrible situations surrounding Pat Cummins and his and his mother. Um, there, there's problems, you know, Warner. You know, where's his head at? Where's his technique at? Where's his where's his, his body at? Um but yeah, I think it's being set up. I think it's set up for what could be, you know, an absolutely ridiculous ashes. I think Australia are better than what we're seeing at the moment. Um, England have have narrowed the gap between the two sides. I'm not sure where Harmy's driving is, by the way. We seem to be driving <laughs> over a pavement at the moment. Um but essentially, yeah, I think uh I think once Australia get past this India series and they go back and lick their wounds. Listen, there's one thing that Australia can do, and they do better than any side in the world. You know, they can be beaten out of sight, left, right and centre. But when it comes to an Ashes, they just have this funny way of making sure all of their bowlers are fit, fast bowlers are fit, all of their batters are ready and they'll give it a good go. So uh, it should be a wonderful, wonderful series.
1: Well, I look forward to it, and I look forward to um, your commentary today on Talk Sport as well. We can get the app here in New Zealand and listen into to your fine work. That's if you get to the Basin, if you get there.
3: I'm not sure we will. I'm not sure we will. You, we might have to helicopter you down here, Smithy, because we're not going anywhere at
1: the moment. Well, if he goes t- too far south, he'll end up in Cook Strait, OK? So it's the big <laughs> roundabout, the, the big roundabout with the grandstand on it, Tell him It's not too hard to make. Tell you what. It's not, it's, yeah.
3: Put the, put the call out to Dan McHardy. He might be doing a long commentary stint today.
1: <laughs> we'll do that. Cheers, mate. No, nice catching up with you, Jonathan. Have, uh, have a terrific call today and uh, describe some great cricket. I'm sure that you will. Thank you. Take care. Just uh, Jonathan Norman there, yeah, Steve Harmison of the big English quick bowler, driving him to the ground this morning. Uh, wouldn't that be fascinating? Good commentary and uh, good conversation in the car. Right, uh, yeah, let's uh, just recap the scores. England, of course, uh, batting first, 435, outstanding. Uh, New Zealand, 209, asked to follow on, which is quite rare. Uh, these days, I think it's fair to say, Logan, 209. I got a bit of a surprise when I saw New Zealand uh, were batting again. Uh, 202 for 3 on the back of a terrific opening stand between Tom Latham and Devon Conway, which took the legs out of uh, England, I think, somewhat and made sure that <coughs> batting was a little easier towards the end of the day. 202 for 3 at the end of the day. So uh, still a small deficit to knock off, and then who knows?
4: Yeah, I was a little bit surprised too. Once the uh, follow on was enforced, I looked a bit deeper into it and sort of said, OK, well, historically, uh, where do teams go from here? Only, th- I believe only three times in the history of Test cricket has the team that has been uh, forced to bat again straight after being dismissed have won. Uh, there's about a 78% win rate of the team that does not force the follow on and I think there's about 58 draws sprinkled in there. So... Cards still fall to England's favour, you would think. But, I mean, with the way that uh, the black caps are holding steady, you've got Kane trying to steady that ship. Once again, perhaps we will see a result that's a little bit different. Smithy, He's hoping.
1: Mm, uh, let's hope. Uh, look, I, my understanding of, of the situation now is that New Zealand have to be batting tonight. I pretty much, for my way of thinking, still have to be batting tonight. Um, if they're going to um, win this Test match, they have to ask England to get, uh, I think, around about 270-280 tomorrow, uh, and then they will go for it. They will go for it. So you know, you get a couple of early wickets with the new ball, and you just do not know what might eventuate after that. But uh, that's what I feel. I, I think if New Zealand, um, are, if England are batting in the third session, they will probably win the game. It's a simple, uh, chasing around about 200, 180 to 200. So, um, what was the only reaction last night?
4: Uh, yeah, there was. I mean, for, quickly, before we get to that, just imagine mm. if that sets it up, if New Zealand are still batting at the end of day four, what a spectacle that sets up for day five. Mm. But yes, last night at Stumps, this is what Paul Collingwood, the assistant coach for England, had to say.
5: Were you expecting New Zealand to come back with one
6: of those? Uh, haven't necessarily performed absolutely to standard until
7: today.
8: Um, yeah, I think in, in Test cricket you expect um, when you come up against quality opposition that um, they're going to fight hard, and that was one of those days. Um, I thought we, you know, we, they had a counter attack this morning with Southie, um, and then when we enforced a follow on, I thought we bowled exceptionally well without much reward, uh, without much luck. But, you know, you're going to get uh, days like today where it's, it's tough work, and, um, you know, that's Test cricket, and we expect. Um, when you come up against quality opposition, to have days like this, and um, but it's enthralling, you know. It's it's setting up a, what could be a, a great Test match. Um, you know, hopefully tomorrow morning with that new ball, fresh, fresher legs, um, recharge overnight, um, we can take some early wickets. What was the
2: what was the feeling overnight in terms of following on? Was it was it clear that if, if you had the chance, you would do that? Is that just the the, the brand of this England team?
8: It was very clear this morning when Stokesy spoke to the guys and said, "If we, um, you know, if we got the chance to follow on, we're going to um, enforce a follow on." So he was uh, very clear in that, and um, you know that's the approach of Stokesy and, and, and Ben um, and Baz. That um, they want the aggressive option and, um, and and hopefully try to win the game today, but um, didn't turn out that way. And but we're still in a, a really strong position.
9: And, and in terms of Ben, I mean,
2: Ability to, to bowl and
8: join him with the workload was that a part of the equation so Obviously, he only bowled two overs no. in, in the day was it, was it clear that he was be a bit of a player part or not? yeah well look he's um, as, as we all know that he's got a, a knee um, niggle and um, and, and thankfully, he's the captain out there and makes a decision when he when he bowls or, or doesn't bowl. And um, he came on after the tee just to try to break the rhythm really of of, of the batters and, and bowl some short stuff. Um, but we got a wicket at the other end, so it was um, you know we changed that plan and um, and went back to conventional bowling. So, but I think you know Leachie's done a fantastic job as well. The number of overseas bowled today. Um, and, and obviously, the wicket's shown a, a fair bit of turn as well. So, um, Stokes, he was happy to, to go to other options. And he puts, he puts a hell of a lot of trust in his, um, in his team and the, and the other bowlers as well. So, it's been a good day. Do you, do you think I mean, there'll be conjecture of following on, you know, you give them a, a chance of victory? But again, that's not the way
10: you're doing things at the moment. It doesn't seem to so say too concerned if you're letting the opposition have a, a bit of a sniffy.
8: Yeah, I think, look, it's it's the aggressive approach, as I said. Um, and, you know, I, I guess the mantra of this team is is always to um, take the aggressive approach. And um, there was no doubt whatsoever in, in Stokes' mind if we got the opportunity that um, that's how we were going to go about things. And, um, you know, we, we've always said in the past, we're not scared of losing, um, but we want to get ourselves into a position of uh, winning games. And um, we thought we had a good chance and with the conditions the way they were. That um, you know, we we could actually go on and, and try to win or, or get close to winning the game today. Um, I think it's been a great test pitch. To be honest with you, I think um, with the pace and the and the bounce that's in it, um, there's something for everyone, and that's what you want um, from a cricketing pitch. Um, you know, if you get it in the right areas, it's it certainly it can seem around. Um, but if you miss your mark, it's, it's it can be a pitch that you can you can score on So um, and starting to sh- um, show a bit of turn there as well. So um, it's exciting. And you know New Zealand have fought hard today. Um, I've, we've noticed that you know the morning sessions seem to have done quite a bit more with the, with the seam bowling. Um, so hopefully tomorrow with a fresh set of legs, we can uh, come out and take some wickets.
1: And there's your clue, really. Um, Paul Collingwood has said, right, that last sentence there. The morning session has been when the ball has uh, done the most. Brand new ball, brand new ball, Anderson and Broad. sore, uh, Sore legs, I would imagine. Quite tired legs. But there's nothing like an early wicket. Uh, to put some life into the legs. I can promise you that even uh, on a situation like this. So uh, that was Paul Collingwood, uh, a very fine cricketer on his own right, and he's uh, the fielding coach for England these days uh, in both forms of the game. And I, I just uh, wonder where New Zealand was sitting um, because uh, I think they would have got a surprise they were
4: asked to bat again so quickly, Logan. Uh, yeah, definitely. But it wasn't all bad, as we were saying before. Uh, Tom Latham not doing too bad with the bat was he uh, in the first innings he got 35 but in the second he got 83 before he was LBW'd uh, by Root and then at Stumps he fronted the media and this is what he had to say
6: uh, Yeah certainly a, a better position than than what we were in last night I think um, obviously being put back in um, you know, with the follow on and to, I think for me and Dev to, to build that partnership up top was was really infor- important for the group and um, yeah, I think as a batting unit, we talk about partnerships, and I think to set the tone uh, that way was was really important. And then, um, obviously, we, we lost a couple of wickets, but um, you know the work Henry and uh, Kane did uh, towards the back end of the session, um, you know this, this evening was was really important, and to I guess be close to nearly parity, um, you know at, at this point was uh, yeah certainly really pleasing. So a good day from from us. Did you
2: notice the bounce
6: started again? a there Come mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed pretty true um, While I was out there I think yeah, You know this, this wicket at the basin Always presents uh, You know Something for Whether it's the batters Or whether it's the bowlers and, and probably something That we haven't seen In recent years Is the turn that it's um, That it's producing So um, Yeah It's obviously there's, It's a good cricket wicket If um, you know Everyone's in the game uh, You know Throughout the whole inning So um, Yeah We're looking forward to, to what tomorrow presents And for us It's about trying to start again A, a really important first hour and, and obviously a first session So um you know the guys played really well tonight, and hopefully they can kick on and, and build partnerships. And, and that's something we talk about as a batting unit is to, to build partnerships throughout the innings and and put you know partnerships back to back. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can do that tomorrow. Rahul, um, it was good to see
7: was you and Conway both leaving quite well. Was there a conscious
0: effort to leave the
5: ball when um, it was needed?
6: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think on a on a wicket like this, where there's a little bit more bounce, uh, you know, certainly diff, different uh, to the wicket that we had at the Mount. Um, you know, where the ball was got a bit softer and, and there wasn't as much bounce. It's about trying to adapt to each surface, and we, we probably didn't quite do that quick enough. Uh, you know, the other day, but um, you know, for us to. To build that partnership, to leave well, to wait for them to come to us and, and absorb a little bit of pressure up uh, the top was was really important, especially after being put back in. So, um, yeah, I thought the way we were able to absorb it and, and then put a little bit of pressure back on them was was really important. And um, yeah, we've obviously you know played nicely today, but um, yeah, you know, it's important we do that tomorrow as well. Were you
5: pleased in terms of finding ways to capitalise the match? Were you guys pleased that the follow up was
2: enforced? Nothing was said about last on day five.
6: Uh, yeah, I wasn't quite sure what they were they were going to do, to be honest. Um, I think the the partnership that Tim and and Tom put on um, at, the, at the this morning was was really important. When you sit back now and see the position we're in, um, you know, if they they didn't do that, then we'd probably still be close to to 100 behind. So uh, obviously, them being put back in. Um, and to be in the position we are was obviously a great thing on our, our front. So um, yeah, I certainly wasn't quite sure what, what they were going to do. But uh, I think as, a, as an opener, you've got to be prepared to bat. And, and if not, you're in the field. But um, yeah, I guess whatever way uh, you know they, they want to play, uh, that's, that's how they, they, they saw it. And uh, you know, I guess it opens up uh, the game if we can play well tomorrow.
1: if you're a Man U fan or a Tottenham fan for that matter, it'll be a good morning for you no, not so much if you support Newcastle or Chelsea, the Red Devils have lifted the Carabao Cup, uh, meanwhile closer to home the Wellington Phoenix have ended their run of away games with a sneaky one-all draw against the Central Coast Mariners with me now is former all-whites goalkeeper Jacob Spoonley, of course a Sky Analyst as well uh, good morning to you uh, Jacob yes, good morning for Spurs, good morning for Man U
11: a very good morning for both teams Smitty, um, I'm sure you're happy With how things are turning out at the moment That um, It does of course mean That Chelsea are really on the rocks This season, even more so than my Liverpool
1: Well it does uh, Under real pressure actually uh, we'll, we'll get back to the EPL shortly But um, the Phoenix um, They snuck a point uh, over the weekend um, With uh, Oscar Zavada uh, Scoring the 94th minute After Central Coast had someone sent off
11: He did. It was, I think, a really important point for the Wellington Phoenix. Uh, You would have been one, uh, as I'm sure many at home uh, that watched the game, that wasn't particularly impressed with the performance. I think the Phoenix, they could probably look to some sort of um, lethargic uh, aspect that they've been in Wellington for one of only their last eight games have been travelling over the full month of February. So I think some of that did creep into their game. I think also... It's a mentality thing with this Phoenix side. They seem to be coming up against a glass ceiling, and they are able to put together a run of maybe two to three good games, but they just haven't quite gone on an absolute tear yet and um, started dominating opponents. That said, Smithy, Central Coast Mariners are second in the competition. They are the entertainers of the competition, and the Wellington Phoenix defense, led by some wonderful stopping from Ollie Sale, did keep them at bay for large parts of the match. Um, so I think if you said before the game, Blanton Phoenix travelling to second in the competition, a team that has scored freely over the course of this season, would you take a point? I think Ufuk Tully, Ufuk Tully would have signed up for that.
1: I mentioned one red card. I should have mentioned three red cards, including the coach, Nick Montgomery. Uh, what is it about the feistiness between these two sides?
11: It's <laughs> oh, a great one, Smithy. I don't think this is the last time these two sides will see each other. They're not scheduled to play each other uh, for the remainder of the season, but they both seem to be finals bound. And if they do come up against each other in the finals, in that pressure cooker, even more so than a season game, I think we could see more fireworks. I don't know what it is, Smithy, but the teams just do not seem to like each other. You'll remember in the game in Wellington recently, Ollie Sale was taking a goal kick, and Nick Triantis thought he could jump across the front of him. Ended up studying Ollie in the wrist and then resting on the hip, completely inappropriate. Don't know why he was doing it, but it speaks to this real feistiness that exists between the teams. We saw that again in the weekend. I actually think uh, Brian Caltech was unfortunate. He made a lunging tackle. His studs hit the ball. They rolled up into David Ball's shin. The result being a red card and i think if you look at it from a results perspective yes absolutely the contact was dangerous however from a process point of view ryan played the ball he made contact with the ball and he was unfortunate and um, that was then truck and trailered by moresh uh, a brazilian who's just coming back in uh, to the fold for central coast mariners he decided to try and poke scott wooden in the eye now that doesn't fly at all so in my mind, both of those red cards can be justified. The one that really did raise an eyebrow, though, was Nick Montgomery, who seemed to take issue, in particular with the Moresh sending off, and himself received a second yellow card and joined uh, Moresh um, and Brian Caltech uh, in the change room early.
1: Yeah, really weird. Really weird. But however, um, they'll look at the disciplinary side of things. Uh, it appeared that Ufuk Tule looked pretty happy after the match, but a road trip with four points out of a possible 12 when you're a contender. Is that acceptable?
11: He'll be happy with the point uh, acquired at Central Coast. I think one of the big banana peels that the Wellington fans unfortunately slipped on was the game last week against um, MacArthur. They lost to MacArthur, game where they missed a couple of penalties. And I think they'll look back on that result in particular if they don't achieve understanding um, the they want at the end of the season and say that definitely was impactful MacArthur are a side that the, there's a lot of issue, there's a lot of instability around the team, um, the managers and the, oh, sorry, the ownership seem to take a, a lot um, of interest in what's going on and, and maybe middle so Dwight York's gone, he just left when the Phoenix played them and they came out of the gates storming against MacArthur and they really should have converted that performance into three points so I'm I think The Central Coast game is one that they'll be happy with. The loss against MacArthur is one that they'll look back on with regret. And potentially also that game against Melbourne Victory. Albeit, since the Phoenix beat Melbourne Victory, they've gone on to not only beat um, the top of the table in Melbourne City, but they put in a great performance against third on the table in Adelaide United. So I actually don't think Melbourne Victory are out of the playoffs just yet.
1: Right, let's look at uh, the Women's Phoenix. Of course, another loss um, over the weekend. Uh, losing to Sydney 1-0 this time. Um, And we've cut them a a lot of slack because they were new, they had to play away from home, they're very young. But how much slack can we cut them, particularly Natalie Lawrence? Well,
11: I think this is a season where there will need to be a review of the overall approach. And the overall approach should be um, comprehensive. So stand back and ask, what are we trying to achieve with this team? How are we going to go about achieving it? And and who are we entrusting um, to execute? Um, we haven't, quite simply, we haven't seen this Wellington Phoenix team kick on and take the next step. And to your point, um, there are demands that come with professional football. It really is a win-now industry, and development is set alongside that. So, yes, um, there has to be a flexibility provided because there's this long-term play to get the under-20s, a uh, generation of under-20 New Zealand players up to speed and to give them professional opportunities. However, we want to see them developing. They need to kick on and, importantly, provide competition to our football firms. Uh, we have seen that um, in patches this season. I think Michaela Foster um, is someone that has done wonderfully well. Uh, she had a great impact when she came on against Argentina for the Ferns midweek. She backed that up with a really comprehensive performance against the side that has dominated this competition for a number of years in Sydney FC. Um, And she's starting to form a very dangerous combination with Millie Clegg down the left-hand side. However, Smithy, and this is the caveat to that um, positive feedback, both of those players were not signed before the season, and both are signed on scholarship deals. So it feels like the positive impacts on the team have come about through chance and not design. And that's the frustrating part of this, that we want to see this team develop, and we want to see a clear structure, a design about how they're going to achieve that development
1: Okay, well let's get uh, to the EPL and uh, there are rumours that uh, Erling Haaland and Pep Guardiola don't see eye to eye but uh, Pep's got to be pretty happy with uh, him just the same scoring his 27th goal for City and their win over 4-1 win over Bournemouth and no other player uh, for City has scored that many goals in a single Premier League season
11: (laughs) The thing is summed it up beautifully there. There is no one like him. He is um, this machine, and we don't use that word lightly. He just seems to be able to be churning out goals and performances. He seems to be so finely calibrated. His runs, his finishing is something that I don't think we've really seen before outside of a couple of Messi and, and Ronaldo. So the issue isn't that he's contributing to this team. The issue is that the team potentially hasn't adapted to include him. Um, we're seeing Pep ask him to come short, to create a foundation, um, to bring other players into the game. But in actual fact, he's so dangerous playing on shoulders. He's so dangerous utilising those finely tuned runs that he's put together, um, particularly at Dortmund, but before that um, at Salzburg. And it seems like it's a bit of an ego tussle at the moment where Guardiola is saying, I've always been successful, you're going to need to fit in within my system. And Haaland's saying, well, I've always been successful. I've always scored goals. Surely you can accommodate me a little bit more. I think we did see it at the start of the season, Smitty. Um There was a wonderful combination with Kevin De Bruyne. But over the course of the season, it seems like Pep's asked Haaland more and more to adapt to his style of play. And I don't think that's sustainable from a long-term point of view because Haaland clearly is a plug-and-play type player where you want him to be given the freedom to do what he does and you want to create a pathway to getting the ball to him. Pep doesn't seem to be making that his
1: priority A1 at this point Right then, uh, Chris Ward Now I watched this game, I watched Forrest um, playing uh, at the weekend and I thought to myself he's just the target up front there but it's a target they didn't seem to find very often unfortunately and uh, came off after what, about 65 minutes
11: Yeah, it seems to be the way in which Woodsy's being used by Steve Cooper um, early doors at the moment he starts and if he's not productive after 60 minutes then he gets dragged or he potentially starts on the bench and then after a half or even 60 minutes Cooper looks to introduce him and he has obviously given Cooper rewards in that wonderful um, goal against Man City late on. I think Woody's still um, betting into this Nottingham Forest team and I think the important point is that this Nottingham Forest team is still figuring each other out there's obviously been so much recruitment they've brought in I think it's somewhere between 12 and 15 players since the start um, of the season Um, so that's a huge change Uh, Woodsy obviously has moved from Burnley to Newcastle now Newcastle to Nottingham Um, you'd expect someone of his class of his experience to find goals and to create a platform for players he is doing that, but potentially not with the regularity that he quite wants at this point. I think he'd be looking to have a big impact on Nottingham Forest to get them out of this conversation that is the relegation. Um, and they're not they're not there, they're not in the midst of it, but they're definitely on the fringe of Smithy.
1: OK, uh, just um, just finally then on, on Chris Wood, do you expect him to stay there? Or do you think he's still floating?
11: I think he'll stay there at Nottingham Forest. Um, he has had his deal... Uh, become permanent. Um, so that happened, I think it was last week. And he was initially on a loan, um, then got elevated to a permanent transfer. I think we'll see him stay at Northern Fryst maybe for a, at least another season. Um, and I think, importantly, that does signal his intent not only at club level but also at international level where he does just want to get caps. he wants to get goals. And anyone that watched the Kiwi Football Fix last week uh, will have seen his um, resounding yes I'm available for the two matches uh, against China here later on or not this month but next month in March um, so I think we're very blessed to have someone of his calibre playing at that top leg as he has done so for going on a decade now but also his motivation and investment into our national side.
1: Great news. Uh, Jacob, always uh, fantastic to catch up with him. and my friend. Uh, terrific weekend of football. They just keep com- coming, the great games. Uh, 9.46, thanks for your time. Have a great day, mate. No problem. Cheers, Millie. Cheers, uh, Jacob Spoonley there. It's uh, 9.46, yes, here on SENZ.
0: Between Izzy's bomb squad and Kempi coming off the back fence, the Breakfast Boys never fail to bring you a knockout show. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, weekday mornings from 6am on SENZ.
12: Bring your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field.
0: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
13: You got to know when the
10: whole. Know when to fold Smithy's Multi Know when to walk away and Know when to run
2: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
1: Well, we had the big bet, didn't we? Courtesy of Jared and Christchurch uh, on the Multi for $100. Uh, didn't quite come to fruition because... Uh, David Havili, wearing number fifteen, scored the first try on uh, Friday night. So that didn't help. But the Mariners and the Phoenix, did draw. So we got a portion of it today. Uh, Golden State Warriors to beat the Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves at a dollar sixty-nine. Uh, England, I think, will go on and beat the Black Caps. Um, I think history says that they're the hot favourites here at a dollar twenty-five. And tomorrow morning early, Lazio to beat Sampdoria at a dollar forty. It's a two-dollar ninety-five multi. Small fish are sweet, so they say
12: experts in agriculture covering your equipment parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field
0: summer or winter he's the voice of sport in aotearoa this is mornings with ian smith on scnz smithy's cricket update thanks to razine new zealand's most trusted paint brand
1: and all the test looms uh, in uh, Wellington today of course, uh, overnight the Australian women captured yet another another world title They uh, scored 156 for 6 and uh, they restricted South Africa to 137 for 6 in their 20 overs so they are the T20 world champions yet again, Meg Lanning lifting the trophy on the back of Beth Mooney, 74 not out, uh, South Africa were game and uh, they put a pretty good performance in their home country but Australia uh, without doubt the best women's cricket team in the world perhaps the squad the best of all time one of their members is a real character named grace harris she might be the australian version of ruby Tui.
14: I've got Grace Harris so we'll try and keep this interview short I'm not so sure. Grace you were supposed to be in the World Cup in 2016 you had DVT couldn't fly over this is your first experience what are the emotions going on inside there? Uh, you definitely won't be able to wipe the smile off my face tonight because I'm just so happy about that game and about how we played throughout the tournament and. You know, I thought um, 156, it could be a bit challenging c- considering the other games were both 170 plus scorers and, you know, they were close semi-finals. But to get the win against South Africa and in front of a pack Newlands who weren't cheering for us, but fair enough. But like, This is this is outstanding and I've just loved my experience here. Talk me through the batting order because it was a change actually, <laughs> Ash Gardner and yourself. Yeah, uh, Shell just said back in your skills, and we're, we need a little bit of a boost in that run rate, try and get it out to eight to, to really get to that 160 total. So I got a promotion up the order, and I was so excited for it. I think, you know, walking out to bat, that's probably the, the most fun that I, I think I've looked forward to in a game. So yeah, it's, oh, I just loved it.
1: She's a cracker, Grace Harris, and she's a f- fine cricketer as well. So, uh, Australia, take your hat off to you yet again. You are the champions. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk to uh, legendary all-black uh, Ian jones Carmo on uh, round one of Super Rugby. Uh, we shall uh, also be uh, talking to um, uh, Andrew Voss after 11 as well. and um, We'll go to the sports desk with Logan Swinkles about 11.20. Uh, busy next hour coming up. Yep, the rugby. What did you make of it all? You didn't want to be playing at at home, did you? You did not want to be playing at home. Five out of six, five out of six to the visiting teams. What's going on there? Carmo might have the answers for us very shortly. Experts in agriculture, covering
12: your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From
0: behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Well, it didn't let us down the opening round of Super Rugby. Only one home team came away with a W in the column with the Western Force beating the Melbourne Rebels by a converted try, 34-27. to 27. Jeremy Thrush involved there. Uh, for everyone else, the visitors came in and made a statement with the draw, sneaking past Pacific Pacifica. The Blues putting 60, yes, yeah, 60 on the Highlanders down there in Dunedin. And the Chiefs upsetting the Crusaders fans everywhere. Uh, joining me now is one of uh, the great locks of the game, and you can catch him on Chiefs Mana every Tuesday, 7.30 on SENZ with Ricardo Ball. It's Ian Jones, Carmo. Good morning to you. Uh, what did you make of the first weekend? Were you pretty happy with what you saw?
15: Yeah, good morning to you too, Smithy, and the listeners, yes, with respect to uh, all the summer codes out there, Smithy, uh, it was great to have yep. footy back on the screens and on the radio, I have to say, and... Uh, now, round one, often we go away from round one saying, oh, guys are underdone, a bit saw some mistakes, but boy, with the new rules, uh, with, as you say, teams winning away from home, which is rare, but boy, in the greater scheme of things, it's huge in this competition. You know, the formula never changes. You know, when your home games, pick up some on the road, and that gets you to the playoffs. So it, uh, it was fantastic, and I enjoyed it a lot.
1: When I first looked at the the Crusaders Chiefs matchup, like uh, a lot of people, I looked at, "Oh, here we go, twelve All Blacks or whatever," in the Crusaders lineup. And I sort of just sort of, I wouldn't say I said it was a, a lay down mazia, but uh, I, then I started to look a little bit more closely at the pack for the Chiefs. Uh, they're a good side. A fantastic side, particularly
15: the back five of the pack. You know, Ratchalik. Uh, back from there. It's just fantastic. And before we get too into the detail of that that game, can I just say well done to Clayton McMillan no, more than anything, keeping his star men out there. It's not only is preconceived, oh, let's bring Ratelik off after 60 minutes. Let's give Sam Kane 40. Uh, you know, let's keep that Dan McKenzie. The star players, star All Blacks, staying out there for 80 minutes, Smithy makes a heck of a difference. A, to the result, clearly, because they have that ruthless ability just to go right through the 80. But for the spectators, for guys like you and me and everyone else out there watching it, we want to see the All Blacks uh, play out there. There'll be other games coming up, home games, maybe against a possibly lesser opposition where you can rest your stars. And, yep, they need the rest. There's no question about that. But, man, away from home, against the defending champs, I was so stoked that Clayton had the, um, I guess, the guts, really. Uh, as a modern coach, to keep his stars out there because it certainly made for a better game and put 31 points on them.
1: Sam Kane, uh, quite outstanding in Game 1. He has his uh, detractors, but um, if you're a detractor uh, on his performance the other night, you're simply wrong.
15: Yeah, and both sides of the ball. We know how defensively brilliant Sam Kane is uh, at reading it, but in both sides of the ball, so his attack, his running ability... Um, but more so his ability to kind of get to the breakdown uh, and get numbers to the breakdown. Retallick does the same uh, clearly. Sumi uh, Suni was a guy I was really interested in about how his fitness levels were because we know Smithy, he's the world's best uh, five to ten metres out from the goal line, but he's not always the world's best um, the, the other parts of the field, but she he was good uh, in terms of his fitness levels, so I was pleased, really pleased uh, about that, and I think uh, talking about fitness levels, that's one great thing about these new rules. You kind of saw uh, teams fatiguing a bit, so maybe the scores will blow out the last uh, last quarter, but that means the fitness levels of these players are going to have to increase, um, which means a quicker game for us to watch, uh, hopefully a more enjoyable game for us to watch. Certainly round one was that. So yeah, no, Sam Kane was good, both sides
11: of the ball.
1: There will be injuries, um, and that is the downside of it. As a physical game, we all know that. Anton Leonard-Brown has um, another uh, injury problem after trying so hard to get back, and it looks like Cullen Grace might be in a spot of bother too.
15: Yeah, I, mean, I don't think we can be too stressed about uh, injuries, and certainly let's not be on World Cup watch every minute of the game, every uh, every weekend. Uh, these guys got good rehab facilities, they got the best... People get themselves back up into shape if they need to get back up into shape. Anton Leonard-Brown, who I thought, mate, defensively, was also very, very good. Gee, he's a world-class player. Um, and you forget, because he's been in the game for so long, uh, others come through. But uh, Anton Leonard-Brown is world-class. It didn't look much more than an ankle injury. Um, Poor Callum Grace here, yeah, that's a, a, a shoulder maybe, or maybe not, uh, more. But, Smithy, that's why we've got, we got five super rugby teams, um, and that's why we need guys pushing each and every weekend because uh, your your stars, who you think should be the All Blacks right now, may not be at the World Cup uh, in France because of whatever reason, but there will be be All Blacks at the World Cup, um, regardless of their names, um, and, and that's all we need to worry about.
1: I'll throw one at you that might be there, and uh, if he continues in the same vein, I think he certainly will be. Damien McKenzie, his match up with Moonga?
15: Oh, yeah. I mean, well, we can't match them up uh, directly because they are different players, but no, Damien McKenzie, Damien McKenzie's going to play well, or any number 10 Smithy is going to play well on the the performance of the forward pack in front of them. And the Chiefs' forward pack laid a wonderful foundation. The speed of of their ball, the numbers are getting to the breakdown, the ability to to turn it over and for Brad Weber to deliver a quick ball to McKenzie, allowed Mackenzie to do absolutely what he does. The other brilliant thing that I love about Mackenzie, he's not always at first receiver. Um, enjoyed it when he went back to fullback later on in the game um, and Nuwani came on. So the ability to turn up where he can, run a little bit more laterally rather than kind of like is so brilliant at running into that, um, that number one channel and stepping. Uh, but you know, it's it's like a broken record, Smithy. The, the performance of a team only going to be a reflection of the performance of their pack. And, and the, the Chiefs' pack were, were brilliant. I mean, it was a ding-dong battle to start with, and the, the set-piece domination of the Crusaders was, was very good, but the Chiefs worked around that, didn't have that many scrums in the game, their line-outs were OK, and just had numbers at the breakdown to allow those guys to do what they want to do. Sean Stevenson, the other one, um, consistency of performance over the last 12 months, maybe even 18 months, has been good. And the ability, I guess, this is the way the Crusaders like to play don't they? Smith you down in your defensive quarter, hold you down there, you know, force some mistakes, turn over the ball, score points. Well, the ability to like, go like Sean Stevenson to clear that defensive quarter, get away from that danger area where the Crusaders like to put pressure on the teams, made them a real asset in that game
1: the Blues have lost only one of their last 16 encounters and that of course being the grand final last year against the Crusaders, my god um, I thought they might beat the Blues uh, beat the Highlanders but really 60, putting 60 on them?
15: Yeah I mean danger signs are ready for the Highlanders that uh, uh, you've got to put a red flag up and uh, you can't say it was a, it was a great effort from, from the Highlanders, boy they're going to have to work hard and they did for, for a little bit. But as you know in the sport, Smithy, you just can't uh, work hard uh, for a little bits. You actually have to work hard for the whole damn bit. Uh, but the speed once more, um, and, and yeah, talk about those new rules again, the speed of the Blues getting to the breakdown and the ability to turn over quick ball to allow you know, the likes of their halfback, Finlay and Bodie to do what he can, and the width that they can play with to bring the Rico Ioannis to Caleb Clarks and the Mark Pelez of the world into play. That's the way they uh, clearly wanted to target. The Chiefs were a little bit more direct, I thought, with the numbers. And the Blues were just about speed. Um, but both awesome styles, both awesome results. And yeah, I no, enjoyed that game under the roof.
1: Uh, the other one that really impressed me too was um, uh, the, the only New Zealand side effect that we had going away from home. Uh, the Reds are generally pretty tough in Brisbane, uh, but they, in the second half, ran all over the top of them, the Hurricanes.
15: Yeah, but mate, I hate to be a but even worse, it was hotter. It was up in Townsville. Um, and I don't Sorry. know yep. what the temperature would have been, but it would have been, <laughs> it would have been boiling point, uh, I would have thought. But once more, this is a team that, that has athletes in it, doesn't it? And, I mean, in the first half, that was almost neutral, but once once more the forward pack went about their work. I thought the the young hooker and more coming off the bench and the impact, the guy with his strength, um, directness, getting over the game line, those kind of things could do. That means the others could get in behind it and create that quick ball uh that they use. They well, they put on thirty one unanswered points themselves, didn't they? So yeah, those those are the three teams that really stood out. I mean you can't deny that the Crusaders will be there or, or thereabouts within the mix so effectively four New Zealand teams had a pretty good go. Um, the Highlanders, well, man, they've got to work pretty hard because I believe they'd play the Crusaders maybe this coming. They um, mm, do. Which is yep. going to be pretty tough. Uh, but now, good start. Uh, real, real good rule changes. So thank you for whoever made those uh, decisions and well done to the referees for coming up to speed uh, interpreting, I guess, the rule changes the way we all wanted them to see. The players are not trying to bend those rules, Smithy, um, and and milk what they can out of it. So um, a a really entertaining weekend, entertaining football. The ball in play was better, I think. So that's been interesting to see how that evolves. And as I say, when the ball's in play longer at the start, those fitness levels are really going to have to increase uh, for the players. They don't increase for the players, Smithy. You get fatigued. If you get fatigued, you get uh, mistakes. Uh, turnovers, whatever, and the points will start the poll. So, great viewing, great watching, and a nice way to start
1: the year. Yeah, it is, and as you mentioned, the rule changing and uh, rule changes and everyone adapting to it. um, A lot of people already are remarking uh, about the the ability now uh, with the number eights just getting a little bit more time off the back of the scrum, a little bit more freedom to use those legs.
15: Yep, and that's why I thought we might have seen a little bit more of that interplay between the eights and nines of the games I saw. I didn't watch all of them, so you know, correct me if I'm wrong. But, uh, yeah, an explosive athlete, uh, well, like Postings or like Artie, um, you know, to the ability to get out on the outside and there's interplay between eight and nines and maybe we'll see some innovation in the, the triple scissors or the interplay, people coming on the angle. They'll, they'll be a really nice. Uh, to see, to evolve um, and, and yeah, so that, that I think there'll be some people watching some old footage of, of footage back in the, in the early 90s I'd suggest and, um, and, and get a good handle on some of those number 8s back in the day used to do it because it's funny how the more things change the more things stay the same so i would be watching some historical <laughs> footage of Oz um, some of the coaches
1: Carmo, always great to catching up with you, mate. Uh, fantastic weekend, as you said. I think it lived up to everything we were waiting for quite some time. We've had so much damn talk about what's happening off the field and uh, around a certain yeah. job, but yeah, it was it was refreshing, wasn't it?
15: Well, it just goes to show, mate. Uh, there is no distractions. The biggest distraction for for an athlete's the game. Um, there's no other distractions for the athletes. Uh, they have got enough to worry about what's happening externally or above their pay grade Um, so mate these these players are focused on job at hand Uh, everything else is just noise so don't stress about that Uh, let's not worry ourselves about um, what players are thinking about who's going to coach the All Blacks are just worried about playing well for their super teams uh, entertaining us on the weekend and what will happen will happen
1: champion. Love those words. Uh, and uh, I love the fact that you'd uh, found some time for us this morning, Carmo. Always uh, great to chat uh, with your incitement and enlightening us. Thank you, sir.
15: Well, take care. Have a great day,
1: everyone. Cheers. Uh, thanks. Uh, Ian Jones here, of course. Um, should have asked him, actually asked him about his endurance swimming because he's been doing a power of that lately. A power of it. What an athlete. Still and better nick than um, any, I think, any All Black I've seen Post their career, this far post their career, he is in superb Nick, is Ian Jones. Uh, 10.16 here on SENZ. Uh, Let's have a look at the panel. Are they in superb Nick? Who we got this morning again? Uh, Let's just. uh, Oh, Jamie Wall. uh, Ollie Ritchie. No, maybe not.
0: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Big talk, big
14: opinions.
1: The panel. Yes, Jamie Wall and Ollie Ritchie with us this morning. And uh, Ollie, I'll start with you, uh, only because uh, Jamie Wall only said he'd come on the panel if I started with you and started with your Crusaders. Wow, that's a bit of a setback, early.
7: Yeah. Yeah. Morning, morning to you, Smithy. Morning to you, Jamie. Uh, I don't think Jamie would have got too much joy out of that as well. I know. Um, deep down, he's a bit of a fan of of everything the Crusaders are about. So, so, sort of a tough weekend for for Jamie as well. But look, they were just outplayed. The, the Chiefs were dominant. Um, you know, you got the feeling at, at half time that um, you know it wasn't it wasn't vintage Crusaders or Chiefs footy. And um, but I don't think anyone saw that second half coming. The, the Crusaders just couldn't find their way in, into the contest. They played none of the rugby because the Chiefs didn't allow them to play any of the rugby. They camped them inside. Uh, their own 22 and yeah the Chiefs got the rewards for it so um, look titles aren't won in February uh, and the Crusaders will be better for that I'd say it'll probably be a, a tough week at Rugby Park in Christchurch this week certainly not uh, an ideal way to, to start things certainly not when you've got a coach who's um, trying to convince the New Zealand rugby board that he should be getting the head coach job for the All Blacks so uh, not, not great but um, yeah long season ahead.
1: Was that the standout performance of the weekend, uh, the Chiefs for you, Jamie Wall, or perhaps the Blues, or even the Hurricanes away from home?
16: Yeah, good morning, guys. Um, I, I was told that I had to be nice to Ollie when I came on, so I will. I will agree with them that uh, titles aren't won in February, and you'd be foolish to to write off the Crusaders uh, this early in the season. Um, if it comes to standout performances I'd say so um, from the Chiefs just simply because of the way they went about it. I don't think the, the Blues pacing the Highlanders um, was any surprise to anyone I think the the way they did it was incredibly impressive uh, and I think that there's enough talent in the Hurricanes to suggest that we could be seeing more scorelines from them if they can keep their consistency which is obviously something that they've historically uh, struggled to do um, but and However, I feel that the fact that the Chiefs are, get, are coming in fit uh, for, the, for one of the first times ever, they've got an absolutely stacked team. So them winning wasn't a surprise, it was just the way that they took the game off the Crusaders. and. When we talk about these new laws, even though the laws about speeding the game up aren't actually new, they're just enforcing them for the first time, um, what I think we saw happening that really played into the Chiefs' hands was the Crusaders couldn't rely on the, their line-out huddle, uh, which meant that they couldn't control the tempo of the game. And it's something that Scott Robertson talks about a lot, is that you want the other team to be reacting to what you do and, and you play the game on your terms. And just that little, slight little tweak meant that they couldn't actually do that. And I, and I think that the Chiefs Clayton McMillan obviously prepared his side a lot better for it than Scott Robertson did. And so after the last few weeks we've had of the coaching um, debate, um, that was a real black mark in Scott Robertson's and uh, copybook because you know that's something that he should have really realised was going to be a big factor coming into that game.
1: Right. Um, in terms of those new rules, can I ask you um, uh, ask you, Wally? Uh, the number eight a uh, bit more freedom um, to to get off the back of a scrum. We're we're looking at perhaps as um, uh, as Jamie pointed out, um, referees being a little bit more liberal um, in a couple of areas. What, what did you what did you make of the, the weekend's action in general? Were, were there any bugbears for you?
7: No, I think the I think the um, the speed of the game was was good. Um, I think the ball and play time for the Crusaders Chiefs game was like. 40 odd minutes, 41 minutes potentially, which is quite high. So um, it gets a tick in in that regard. And if the referees can get out of the way at scrum time so we can see big, powerful number eights running off the back of the scrum, uh, that'd also be really good because I think, you know, like gone are the days uh, in previous years where where that was happening obviously because, you know, they were being pestered by the halfback. So I'm a fan of that. Um, I I like the, the, the tempo of the game. I think. Um, you know, put a shot clock on on the big screen at, at scrum time, line out time, penalty time, so that everyone knows um, how long they've got. You know, it it's, it might not add anything on the field, but you know, at the very least, it might be entertaining for those standing in the in the crowds. Um, uh, anything to speed the game up and get the PMO out of the referee's air, um is, is a win in my mind. So uh, I think a successful opening weekend. Um, you know, good quality of rugby, good results, good upsets, uh, good storylines. So I think Super Rugby bosses will be relatively pleased uh, with how the opening weekend played out.
1: It's only a very small sample size, uh, Jamie, but um, we've always remarked about the gulf between uh, our sides and Australia. Um, Eddie Jones sitting up in the stand there couldn't have been too happy with what he saw out of the Reds, who traditionally uh, are pretty tough to beat.
16: Yep, yep, you're absolutely right. Uh, At the same time... I, I don't. I'm not sure what Eddie would be more worried about the form of his, of those super uh, Australian Super Rugby teams, or the fact that all of his assistants seem to be uh, walking off the job. Uh, so it hasn't been the greatest uh, week week for him. Uh, again, though, like I said about the Crusaders, it is a bit early to judge. Uh, what you know, h- how this season's going to go. But if we don't see some sort of improvement from the Australian teams, it's going to. It's just going to be another thing that kind of just eats away at the legitimacy of the competition a little bit. I did like what I saw out of the Brumbies. Uh, they, they were always probably going to be the, most, the toughest Australian team um, coming into the season. And the Waratahs didn't look sort of too bad either. Um, so I think the Brumbies at home might be a bit of a tough ask for the likes of the Highlanders and perhaps the Hurricanes as well. But, you know, it is it, it, it is early days, but the signs aren't great for any of the Australian sides to be knocking on the door of uh, of uh, the semifinals. finals
1: Right, well, this time last year, of course, um, Warren Gatlin had an overseeing role with the Chiefs. Uh, he's since moved back to Wales, but he's under uh, some real pressure uh, early on in uh, his new tenure here, um, I-, I think, Ollie. So, wow, uh, Wales got uh, some serious amount of work to do and not a lot of time to do it.
7: Yeah, well, he inherited a mess, didn't he, off the field uh, as well as on it. Um and he hasn't been able to do anything with that mess in his his opening three games. Um, I wish someone had told me that watching the replay of England-Wales was going to be about as dull um, as it was, because I wouldn't have bothered otherwise. Uh, That was not a great uh, product or or a great advertisement for for rugby, full stop. But yeah, Warren Gatlin has a huge clean-up job on his hands, and you can pretty much write this year off. They're not going to do anything at the World Cup. They're not even going to come close. To being competitive, um, so he's got to look at this through a very, very much a long-term lens. You know, a two to three year, possibly even four-year rebuild through to, to 2027. Um, I think that has to be his target. The Welsh Rugby Union needs to clean up its mess off the field, um, so that Warren Gatling can attempt to turn things around on it, um, because it, it hasn't looked good so far. Um, and he's, yeah, he's got a he's got a big clean-up job on his hands.
1: OK, we've got uh, Oli Ritchie with us this morning. We've got Jamie Wall. We'll take uh, a short break. Uh, there's a little bit more rugby to talk about and uh, a little matter too of a cricket test. About to start in about two minutes' time, day four at the Basin Reserve.
7: Talk, the opinions, the panel. Talk,
14: talk, talk to me, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jamie Wall and uh, Oli Ritchie with us this morning. Jamie, uh, often I, I watch quite a bit of... Uh, Six Nations rugby, but I'm watching quite a bit more this year on the basis that the top two seeds for the World Cup are right smack in the middle of it, Ireland and France. Of what you've seen so far, have you seen anything to detract from those seedings?
16: Not really, no. Uh, the, both of those teams are playing good footy at the moment. I think over the weekend, though, I think the standards kind of slipped with the, with the Six Nations um A little bit, Ollie just alluded to before, that Wales versus England game was an absolute dirge first, uh, especially after watching those Super Rugby games um, overnight. Uh, And uh, Ireland didn't play at their best, but still got a win over what was a pretty plucky um, Italian team uh, in in Rome. Um, And then this morning, obviously, we saw a pretty interesting game uh, because Scotland and France were both reduced to 14 players after I think about 10 minutes. Uh, So that was... That was that was an interesting one to watch. But at the same time France still rallied, got the job done. Uh and those two teams have already played each other. It was a very good game, um, in Dublin. Uh, mm. but at the moment, to your to your original point, yeah, it, it is still looking like it's gonna be those two that are what gonna be the ones to beat uh at the World Cup. So and they are most likely gonna be you know, obviously the All Blacks are playing France in the in the open game and then likely to be playing Ireland in a, in a quarter final. So you know, keeping an eye on the way that they're tracking, given how quickly things can change uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, I think that this season, we're definitely seeing a lot more stability from the from the top teams up there. I think we've seen in previous World Cup seasons that things can go completely haywire during the Six Nations, you know, like if you looked at England's form through 2017-2018, um, by the time they came around to uh, the end of that 2018 season, they were absolutely down and out, and then by the time they obviously got to the World Cup, they rectify everything back to the point where they're making the final so you know a lot of things can can happen between between now and then a lot of things can happen between now and the end of the actual tournament itself Um, but there's only one thing for sure uh, in this in this one or two things that Wales are rubbish and um, Ireland and France are going to be battling out for that um, for that winning winning spot.
1: Ollie Ritchie uh, we're about um, half and over into day four at the Basin Reserve, England have a brand spanking new ball in their hand. They've got Anderson uh, using it. Uh, and Kane, do we trust still?
7: Oh, I think we, we definitely still trust in Kane. And, and you know, he's performed um, incredibly well over the over the last few years. or well, really, you know, since he came into the side. So he deserves the chance to bat his way out of this little rut that he's in. But, yeah, there are massive concerns over this team. Uh, I mean, how many lives does Henry Nichols have? Because he like if he if he doesn't perform today and um, you know, there's there's nothing in his form at the moment to suggest he will, how can they continue to pick him? You know, I know Gary said um, it must have some kind of can tab policy or or something like that, because Henry Nichols just continues to underperform and continues to get picked in such an important role for the black caps. So, you know, I've got massive concerns over him. It was nice to see uh, the openers get, both get scores, and I'm sure both Latham and Conway will be disappointed not to turn it into a bigger one. Um, yeah, but I've got big concerns over uh, over Henry Nichols and, and his form because it feels like we've been having the same conversation around him for quite some time, and he sort of seems to, to bat his way out of it with a plucky 60 or 70 uh, against an, an average team. So, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing some change there because I think he's just been underperforming for too long.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with you, um, and I, I kind of think that already, though, um, he's done enough um, to supplant uh, the possibility of an invasion from Will Young, who failed twice in this test match. Just knowing the way that uh, Gavin Larson and Gary Stead think, I I think he's probably shown enough fight in both innings to... Help himself out greatly there. What, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you make of it, Jamie? I mean, I, I look at this um, in a positive light. I'm trying to th- look it through Baz's glasses. Actually, if we can battle day to day, we can win the test.
16: Yeah, that's correct. Um, but that was the scenario in the last one as well. And look what happened there. I mean, I'm I. My feelings towards this, as someone who grew up in the 1990s, is all feeling quite horribly familiar that we've kind of reached the end of an era. And that there's been very little succession plan uh, put in place. And Smithy, you know, you know this all too well because you were a part of, uh, you know, like a, an outstanding New Zealand team in the, at the mid to late 80s. Uh, and then by the time the early to mid 90s happened, um, you know, all of all of the good things that have been put in place there have sort of fallen away. And you're relying on one or two guys to go out there and score your runs and get your wickets. And if they either don't fire or they're injured, uh, then they then all hope is lost and it feels like i said it, it just reminds me of that kind of horrible time when you're like well you know hopefully it might rain or you know we will get a pitch that'll suit us and you're relying on things on factors that are kind of uh, outside the actual playing group itself and and that's not the way you should be approaching test cricket i, I liked it a lot better when you could go and knowing that these guys someone if, if one guy failed someone else would step up and get a ton or or five wickets or whatever because the at the moment, I, I think the runs are, are, are there, um, but I don't think the wickets are uh, at the moment. But uh, you know, I'd be interested to know if it feels the same way for you as it does for us, uh, who, mm. uh, who, were, who were growing up in that time.
1: Oh look, I I, I just think that um, the succession plan um, they were regarded as not having to be uh, as good as what they I think are realizing now because. You, you lose someone of the capability of Trent Bolt. In fact, I'll always uh, question this. I don't know what the negotiations were, but um, I, I go back to the point that he could have played at least one of these test matches because at the end of the day, he is a product for hire and surely we've got enough money to pay him to play in one or two test matches. So uh, to me, I, you know, we're sadly lacking there. We are sadly lacking and and I think it'll, in the end, it'll, it'll wear away at Tim Southey's ability because he hasn't got his sparring partner, his reliable sparring partner at the other end, and there's a lot to be said for bowling in tandem, Um, and there is no tandem with Salvi anymore, and there still is no spinner, Uh, and that's the one that worries me uh, if we do, perhaps Ollie get to a point where uh, England needs 180 to 230, uh, which would be looking at a very positive aspect of it. Uh, Who's going to get him out on the fourth innings?
7: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Svithi, you know, and Tim Southey can't do it all on his own, um, and, you know, the, the, the Trent Bolt selection or, or non-selection is, is a bit of a wider issue, but there's been no one else to call upon when we don't have Trent Bolt, you know, it's, it's like, where, where's the next seam bowler coming from, you know, it's not Blair Tickner, it's not Scott Kugeline, you know, it doesn't feel like we've got anyone, it feels like, you know, Neil is almost getting past his best as well and, you know, continuing to, to put it in short like he loves doing. But, you know, the England batters are just eating that up. So, um, you know, it, it, you look at the, this test at the base and 21-3, we have them. And then they go on um, and, and put a, you know, 200-odd run partnership on. We just, we don't know how to break it. We can't break through. So, um, yeah, tough times. And like you say, you know, if we are... By some miracle and contention on day five, then then who's going to get our wickets? Because you know Tim Saudi can't do it all all on his own, and you know Matt Henry's Matt Henry's great, but you know he's, he's not Trent Bolt. So yeah, some concern, and yeah, we don't really have a, a front line spinner, do we? I mean, I thought he, showed, he bowled well in, in Pakistan, but obviously woefully different conditions to, to what he's going to have to bowl in here. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, period coming up for New Zealand cricket.
1: Uh, sevens, just touching on the Sevens uh, Jamie as well uh, All Black Sevens uh, knocked over by uh, Samoa, so we uh, have to play Great Britain um, later today and we have to get used to uh, Sevens with no possibility of them playing in New Zealand for quite some time and without the Women's Sevens team as well, uh, it just kind of it fades away but bit, doesn't it? Was it just because Super Rugby kicked in? Uh, well,
16: it's it's obviously faded because I, I think that 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 game's already happened. I think we beat. Robert oh, okay. Already, there you go. unless, unless your, your news report was wrong. So, but I mean, yeah, that kind of sums it up a little bit. That it, that it is kind of feeling like a bit of an afterthought, and it is interesting that you bring up uh, the fact that the Black Fern sevens aren't there because they definitely add to the uh, the spectacle and the interest level um, when these tournaments and just having a men's only tournament anymore is just like barely even enough to raise uh, raise a mention, but. Yeah, you said that. Um, obviously, it's gone from New Zealand shores now. What that means for the future of the of the game? I mean, I, that you know, the All Black sevens and the Black Ferns are still going to be a thing because it's a it's a player pathway uh, for especially for the woman, um, and it, and it allows like employment options for for good young players. Um, at the same time, I, I don't know what the future of this this series is going to be looking like and the more and more i think about it the more it just kind of feels like they just needed an excuse to kind of cut hamilton off the um off the venue list uh and then and shift it to perhaps australia or somewhere else in the the u.s but yeah it's uh, like you said it's it's becoming a little bit of an afterthought um but at the same time, you know, I'm still going to be interested if they, if they make the final. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll tune in and watch it because it is at a good friendly time, um, at least for New Zealanders.
1: Absolutely right, 24-12. Uh, so there you go, it slipped under my radar. A beat Great Britain, 24-12. Um, so uh, they now play um, Australia. Yeah, and they uh, Australia thumped Ireland 31-7. Yeah, thanks for that update. Um, shows how much I know. Uh, Jamie Wall and Ollie Ritchie. Thank you very much, gentlemen. All eyes on the Basin Reserve today. Thank you very much for your summation of the weekend's action. It is 10.42.
12: Bring your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter,
0: he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
1: Thanks very much for your texts this morning that have been coming through on the temper bed poster text machine. Uh, I'll read some of them out, shall I? Yes I shall Uh, Carl says, uh, hi Smithy if New Zealand do get a good lead I bet they wish they had a top class spinner in the team now, which is Carl I think you're right, Uh, I think you're absolutely right because um, he will be a target and I predict they will get a decent lead, I I think they will, they've uh, downed I think a deficit of about 10 runs at the moment but I think they'll get a a, a decent enough lead to make this a real spectacle in the fourth innings and uh, we can't ask for much more than that Uh, Sean says, Morning Smithy, bloody great to have footy back. How good was Sam Kane on Friday night? Put a brutal hit on Cullen Grace, breaking his collarbone. Is that official? I know that he's got a real problem there. He had his hand in everything, up against a pretty strong Crusaders pack. Uh, People are quick to bag him when he plays poor, but when he has a good game... No one says anything. Let's hope he can stay fit and healthy this season. Certainly, uh, a fit Sam Keen operating like he did the other night as an asset, no doubt about that. Jeff, the ref, good analyst of the game. Uh, proud Otago and Highlanders supporter as well. Blues with 13 All Blacks was always going to be tough. Uh, for Loaf Fakatava and his teammates, gave wa- away much too um, much attacking 50-50 ball that made the uh, score look a- a bigger than it should have been with better decision making. We missed Aaron Smith. Cheers, uh, Jeff, the ref. But we have the players to upset teams. Yes, you will. Uh, you will be a spanner in plenty of teams' works this year. Uh, just not, just not the start that you are wanting for. In fact, a pasting. Uh, regarding the new laws, Jeff says uh, it's going to suit the the team. New teams uh, that have the ability to play attacking rugby. Number nine staying behind the scrum line to allow quick ball to the backs. Referees allowed the game to flow with little time wasting. But we need to remove the rugby league tackle out of all rugby for safety and quick ball and less penalty kicks at the breakdown. Uh, Grassroots uh, tackle this season is sternum and below this law needs to be introduced at all levels of rugby, Jeff. Well, they tried to think about doing that in England and they had a petition as long as your arm and round the corner... Uh, straight away that suggested that would not be the case. Uh, Rob is not as uh, optimistic as me about the cricket England will romp home I would uh, back the English batsman to run down 400 runs on the last day uh, against a pop gun test attack with no pace bowler and no world class spinner. I tell you right here and now if uh, they race if they are able to chase down 400 on the last day, uh, I wish I was there. Simple as that It is 10.50 here on SCNZ
10: the loveracing.nz update, your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan.
1: Yeah, good morning. <laughs> to Louis Herman What? after, I keep forgetting about that damned horse all the time, and uh, so I shouldn't really because that's what we're talking about. Uh, the El Chipo Cars, wait for age classic, the group one uh, out of uh, Otaki at the weekend. Uh, Levante, just too good, Louis.
2: Oh, was she what? Ryan Elliott, what a peach of a ride as well. Um, it was just gorgeous watching, wasn't it? And she just ate the miles from it. She just loved it. La Creek was so brave in defeat. Man, La Creek, she is a good mare as well. She really kicks hard. So a couple of very nice horses, and Wild Knight just came to the end of his preparation. He just looked a bit tired, and I don't know if he was going that well, but he's um, he'll keep, and he'll come back a really nice horse as well. So... Yeah, that was an absolute highlight, Smithy, and, and we had a bit of a fill-up on the good oil as well. I, I think people are due to be paid out, hopefully later on today, but Clado tipped us, Levante, I had Nom de Plume, and uh, Islington last, Stecco was all over the power plays, and yeah, it was a really good Saturday, and, and across the ditch, I don't know if you caught any of that action, but man, there was some mm. scintillating group ones.
1: Well, he was. Uh, I, I really um, did like uh, the look of Animo again. What a combo he is uh, with Jay Mack at the moment. But uh, just just before we get back over there, um, Zurion for the Lindsays uh, winning the Breeders' Stakes in Matamata.
2: Oh, yeah. She's, she's got a bit of something about her, doesn't she? And, and look, you got to feel for Ulanova, who's a very good filly, and she was taken on the whole way. And it just set it up. And Opie was just sitting back laughing on the bend, I reckon, like, oh, they've got a furious tempo here. And he just slips her underneath them. And she looks like... And she was worth, I think, about 450000 And she's already paid herself back. I reckon she'll be uh, a bit of a pin-up filly for the Cambridge Stud Colours of Brendan and Joe Lindsay over the next wee while, mate. You mentioned Animo. Eight Group Ones. He hasn't won the same Group One twice yet. He is getting dangerously close. I think he is already, personally. But he is getting dangerously close to a champion of the turf, isn't
1: he? He is, absolutely. Uh, an absolute uh, standout, probably looking like uh, the best since Winx, and uh, that's saying something in, in my regard anyway. Louis, uh, we'll catch up uh, tomorrow and uh, Wednesday about racing coming up in New Zealand this week. I'll pop across to Paul Mawadi at the TAB with a quietish uh, Monday, Paul, after what's very uh, been a busy weekend for the punters.
10: Yeah, it certainly was a huge weekend uh, for punters with the start of the Super Rugby season. Uh, we've got a few, couple of live events going on right now. Of course, the uh, Black Caps England uh, second test at the Basin Reserve. Of course, uh, New Zealand finally uh, winning a day in this test series with uh, uh, a bit of a fight back on day three. Uh, we currently have the Black Caps at 480 to win that second test. The palms are a dollar twenty-six. The draws at nine dollars and fifty cents. Also got uh, the Honda Classic uh, going on uh, there in Florida. Uh, Eric Cole currently leads. Uh, he's got a one-shot lead over Chris Kirk Cole. He's a dollar eighty-three. He's in the bunker on the fifteenth uh, at the moment. Eric Cole. Uh, Eric Cole. Uh, Chris Kirk is dollar eighty-seven. Uh, and then we're back to, uh, I think, three or four shots back to uh, Tyler Duncan, who's 101 to win that Honda Classic. Uh, and don't forget, we've got the um, NRL uh, Power Predictor uh, promotion. Just place a $5 or more mm. NRL Power Predictor multi. Get a $10 bonus bet to placed on round one of the NRL, which starts this Thursday night with the Parramatta Eels taking on the Melbourne Storm.
1: Good on you, Paul Moati. Thanks very much. You have a, a fine old day. Yes, uh, we'll just start uh, all eyes on the golf too at the moment. Uh, and we'll be talking on the subject of leagues starting this Thursday, Tivossi in his normal slot just after the 11 o'clock news, coming up now with Aroha.
12: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service
0: needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: bit of an Aussie theme to uh, the show now in the next hour because uh, we have to salute the fact that it's been a big morning for Australian sport after their women's cricket team once again established their dominance in the world, lifting another, yes another, their sixth 20 World Cup overnight, uh, beating the host to South Africa in the final by 19 runs, led by Player of the match, Beth Mooney, who is some cricketer, uh, scored 74 from 53 balls. Super Rugby is back. The sun is about to rise on another NRL season. There's plenty to smile about uh, across the other side of the Tasman. And uh, you can hear my next guest, uh, Andrew Voss, on Breakfast on SEN 1170. Anytime uh, you want to get the app on over there or over here. And, of course, uh, if you're travelling around Australia, it is uh, certainly a show to listen to. Vossi, good morning to you.
5: Uh, good morning, Smithy. Yes, um, you're talking about the women's T20 side for Australia. I mean, we ha- we've we only just come off air, our breakfast show, myself and uh, Greg Alexander hosting the show. I mean, we-, we started our show today. I don't think there's a more successful um, team. I mean, you can't really compare, let's say, the Australian kangaroos or the uh, the the Gillaroos, the rugby because they just don't have the volume of matches like the Australian women's cricket side do. So they're our best export, I think. Um, and you may even be able to say there's a space between them and the rest. When you're talking higher profile sports, uh, our women's cricket team, the Australian women's cricket team, are first by a stretch at the moment in terms of uh, excellence and, and, and success.
1: Well, I've been waxing on about them I, I commentated the uh, Women's 50 Over Cricket World Cup uh, About yep. this time last year In New Zealand uh, And I, I just looked at the way they went about things I looked at the completeness of their squad I looked at the fact that And I've said this quite often in the past That uh, they have every base covered Not just once, at least twice I, I don't think I've, uh, Of course they've got a new coach as well um, And they just doesn't appear to miss a beat with the way that uh, they've organised things around their Captain Meg Lanning took a little bit of time out of the game, has come back fresh as a daisy and everything's just fallen into place again.
5: Yeah, amazing depth, isn't it? When you talk about starring performances, the way the the workload is shared around, like Beth Mooney overnight was um, player of the match and then Ash Gardner's player of the series and then Alyssa Healy and and they just and there are so many um, contributors to the success of the team. No, it's a it's a golden era, and that's a magic record, six of T20, uh, six of seven, T20 World Cups, three in a row. Um, and, and and what it's doing for the sportsmith, and I'm sure you're experiencing the same, I mean, we, we've got a massive year for women's sport. And I, I just, I'm, I'm almost to the point where, you know, not men or women, just the World Cup this year, the football World Cup, it's the women in um, in, in this part of the world, is going to be huge. And you can only wonder what it's doing in terms of ex- inspiring another generation coming through we're going to see the results of what this women's cricket team for australia is doing right at the moment for young girls and getting into cricket they must be inspiring them to give it a go and you never know what talent you're going to find but we're going to see the results of that smithy it might be 10 15 years down the track those that were inspired by this current squad getting into cricket and then finding their own way
1: Oh, look, I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I can't see this dominance ending any time soon. And uh, ironically, you bring up uh, the, the fact of um, uh, the fact that they're, they're paid pretty well, they get rewarded pretty well, which brings me to my first rugby league uh, subject of the day. And the collective bargaining talks seem to maybe um, yeah. have come to some sort of agreement here with a deal reputably worth a billion dollars yet to be announced.
5: Yeah, look, we, well, let's hope we're closer. Um b- Maybe by Wednesday night, given that we're kicking off on Thursday night, Smitty, and we certainly don't want any sort of. Well, we're, it, it seems like we've taken complete strike off the table, which is no one wants to go there. I mean, I don't know how you're going to support if you took a strike, but other things they can do, not doing interviews, covering the logo, all those sorts of things. But one of the sticking points right at the moment that's been reported over here. Be interesting to hear what um, our listeners think of this. So they're talking about the transfer date at the moment, and I'll give you a hypothetical example. um, If a player is coming off contract in 2025, so 2025, we're in 2023, he can be signed on November one this year, November one 2023. He can be signed for the 2025 season. The league is pushing for that to go back to the old transfer date of. June 30. So it would be June 30, 2024, that a player would not be able to sign before for a club for the following season. Now, that makes better business sense, but the players, as I understand it, know they are they are stuck on the November 1 model. They want to be able to swap clubs, uh, literally, uh, what, 14, 16 months in advance. Smithy, I don't know, where do our listeners... Stand on that because some people say it's a, it's a blight on the game. But for every unhappy supporter, when a player of their club signs for someone else, there's a happy supporter that knows down the track to getting a player. Um, right at the moment, the Dolphins have signed both Herbie Farnworth and Thomas Flegler from the Broncos. Before the Broncos play a game this year, the Dolphins have signed two players already for the twenty twenty four season. Um, is that good business, Smithy? Is that good for the game?
1: I don't think so oh, I think uh, oh, I think they think too long term you, 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 you've you got to have faith and you've got to encourage players to, to have faith and heart in the club they're playing for without mm. promising them a future so quickly that's just my old fashioned way of looking at it uh, right yeah. what it means boss around four hundred thousand, four hundred thousand 400,000 400, average player salary
5: Oh, average? Um, Yeah, so, uh, yeah I yeah, I, don't have the figure in front of me. I'm saying that to probably makes sense if you go over or up to a cap of 12 million. <laughs> I'm doing my maths down. I didn't know maths was going to be part of the interview, Smithy. I thought that was in my contract that we don't do any maths questions, but they throwing that at me.
1: Uh, look, Voss I don't do maths. If you don't do maths, but hmm. maths rules the world, apparently.
5: Yes. Yes, I'm hearing you. But uh, you're 100% right. That would be 400000 would be the average salary if you had 30 players in a $12 million cap. They're round figures. Very round figures there, Smithy. I've just done the maths now. Thank you.
1: Hmm. Okay, so uh, how are we looking for uh, the NRLW? Are they going to be happy now?
5: Uh, the NRLW, well, that, they actually got sorted out a little earlier. Um, now, look, there's a massive, massive difference. But they're, if they're happy, then then I'm happy. We're talking about... Um, 20-week comp. So they're talking about a $900,000 salary cap this year, which by 2027 will ri- will be um, will rise to 1.518 million. They will have a minimum wage. It doesn't sound like much in comparison to the NRL. A minimum wage of $30,000 this year, which rises to $50,600 in 2027, and then you've got a you know the rise in workload is a 20-week season slated in. ...for this year and next, expanding to 23 weeks by 2025. So I think they've made a lot more progress there on the NRLW, um, and, and that will be going ahead. And players getting looked after far better than they ever have, but obviously still a long way to go... ...if you're looking at the gap between women's and men's, but of course the season's not quite the same. Um, we're talking 20-week season... Does it draw the same uh, ratings numbers? Fact of the matter, it rates well, but no, it doesn't draw the same as the men. So, But but you'd have to say positive strides are being made and players are now household names. Um, you know, and, and you saw it from the World Cup. Uh, again, we're going to see the influence these rugby league, these athletes are having at the moment on young girls everywhere, inspiring them to take up the sport. And we'll see the result of that 10, 15 years down the track.
1: Well, uh, let's uh, talk about the good thing, and the good thing is Thursday night, where well, we get the season underway. What games are you calling this weekend?
5: Uh, I've got uh, three games this weekend, and I'm only focused on the first one, and that is Eels v Storm because it's intriguing. Uh, I think all our listeners are aware it's one of the one of the best stats in the game. Under Craig Bellamy, and we are now talking twenty years, Melbourne have never lost a round one fixture. I tend to think they're under more pressure this round one than ever any round one previously. Albeit, Parramatta have got some injury worries of their own. Little thin in the forwards. Um, beaten grand finalists from last year. But Melbourne, this amazing record. It, it'll do tipsters' heads in, Smithy, Because, you know, you, you start a new tipping comp year, you definitely want to get away with one from one, don't you? And, and this week, you've got to contend with Parramatta at home, Against the Melbourne Storm record under Bellamy, which wins? Which wins? And and Melbourne with all that playing personnel gone in the off season, the Bromwich brothers, Kafusi, Brandon Smith, others injured. No Ryan Pappenhausen. I'm I'm probably leaning to Parramatta, saying that the that the Bellamy run will end, Smithy. That's where I'm. That's where my head's at at the moment. But give me a few days mm. to to lock that in.
1: Okay, look forward to your call on Thursday night there. I noticed uh, you might have done a little bit of this in your show this morning. Um, A quick review of uh, the Australian performances in the opening round of Super Rugby?
5: Oh, look, well, well, look, we had a lot of attention on, obviously, in our own backyard on broadcasting from Sydney, of course, uh, the Waratahs and the Brumbies on Friday night. And there's certainly the good and the bad bad, if I may put it in terms of the Waratahs. The good was this young fella Max Jorgensen who's the son of former Wallaby Peter Jorgensen who also played first grade with Penrith and the Roosters and and Max scores with his first touch ends up scoring a couple of tries the bad 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 news Angus Bell uh Wallaby prop foot injury again I mean it it's he only lasted 20 minutes and it's a World Cup year it's it's a it's it's so disappointing for the young bloke and the fact the Waratahs lost to the Brumbies they didn't get the result at Allianz so that was a disappointing start on, on a couple of fronts there. Um, oh look, we're, we're just getting into it, and and we'll see how things unfold. Um, but it would be be nice to think that the Reds aren't going to get touched up every week as they were. Um, and the Warriors and the Brumbies can, can fly the flag reasonably high. Uh, force beating the Rebels was a, was a high-scoring game. But um, what I saw of the Blues and the 60 points they posted against the Highlanders... I'm thinking uh, that's a pretty good result, and obviously Chiefs beating the Crusaders. So one round in, uh, have we sorted anything out? Possibly. Um, In a World Cup year, I think the Australian franchise is under a lot of pressure to perform.
1: Mm, I think you're right. I think one weekend and Eddie Jones is... Scratching his head a wee bit uh, already. Cameron Smith just finally Cameron Smith uh, returned to action over the weekend and live golf, which of course makes it Australian debut. It's not that far away now in April.
5: No, no, that's right. Look, um, the live golf thing. I think a lot of the steam... like I know the argy bargy still going on, Smithy. But what what to me it feels like a little bit of the the interest has gone out of it from a fan perspective. It's like okay, well play on. You know, we'll we'll watch it if we can can access it. But I don't think people are as as heated as um, what what they were. It's like it's – I'm not saying it's totally accepted. It's certainly not widely accepted. Um, but it's there and, you know, you'll, you'll follow the scores and what have you. And if you can access it, you'll watch it because we're sports lovers, um, Smithy. So, you know, what, what they get paid and all, all the rest, at the end of the day, good luck to them. <laughs> really. You know, like, wouldn't you love to? Would you knock it back? I mean – um, they've done very well. Those that signed up early doors with um, with Live Golf, would we like a united front? Yeah, we probably would. But golf is an individual sport. It's not a, it's not a team sport. It's not like you know we're cheering on Australia in a golf tournament. Where no, Cameron Smith is an individual, um, and the same can be said of Ryan Fox and others. I mean, you know, it's an individual sport. Um, and the more golf, the better. The more sport, the better. I'll probably soften on Live. um if it if it goes, it goes.
1: Yep, I think you might be right. Uh, look, we'll hope to speak to you next Monday morning. But after three games of rugby league and a and a breakfast show, you might be a little bit hoarse by oh, then. Um, might be a little croaky. Yeah,
5: yeah. The other games I'm doing yeah. are Cowboys and Raiders on Saturday, and we're doing yep. the Dolphins' first game against the Roosters on Sunday. So three games to call first weekend. Giddy up!
1: Giddy up! Giddy up! Bossy, uh, always uh, great to catch you. Uh, catch up with you, mate. Thank you very much. I appreciate Good your on, time. Smithy. Have a great week. Cheers, Take man. It easy, mate. Andrew Voss there, uh, straight out of uh, SEN 1170 in Sydney, Australia. Um, We shall be back very shortly with a visit to the sports desk, which is very busy this morning.
12: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed
0: in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out.
1: Uh, New Zealand are now in front. They uh, lead England by five runs, but they've lost Henry Nichols. Henry Nichols was uh, caught, Harry Brock bowled Ollie Robinson for 29. Uh, so it's now Daryl Mitchell and Kane Williamson together trying to hold things together for the Black Caps. It's the latest from the Basin. Uh, but uh, Logan Swinkles, you've got the latest from the world.
4: <laughs> from the world, yeah, that's right, Smithy. Baseball is back. Spring training uh, started over the weekend, so that took up a lot of my morning time, which is uh, great. There's been a few rule changes uh, this season, the big one is pitch clock. We, we think about Super Rugby trying to speed things up around the scrum time. They're trying to do the same around baseball. So now the way they have it is that when there are no runners on base, pitchers have 15 seconds to begin their delivery motion but it goes up to 20 seconds if there's a runner on base. Batters are awarded a ball if the clock expires and a strike if they are not set in the box and alert to the pitcher by the time the clock reaches Eight seconds. So that rule works both ways to cut down on pit, on the pitcher wasting time, but also the batter you know can be guil- uh, guilty of filling with his gloves, scratching his butt, adjusting his helmet, all that sort of stuff outside the batter's box, uh, in between pitches. This has been previously tested in the minor league smithy but this year it's introduced to the Major League Baseball and already we're seeing results in terms of cutting down the time. Jeff Passon from ESPN noted that the Padres v the Mariners went for 2 hours 29 and I believe that same game last year was an hour longer. The Rangers and the Royals, 2 hours 33. It's spring training, it's a minuscule sample but it's hard to understate how drastically the pitch clock is going to change baseball here. But there is a noteworthy situation yesterday, Smithy, in spring training that highlights just how impactful this one rule change can have on a single game. Now, picture this it's the Boston Red Sox versus the Atlanta Braves. Scores are tied 6 6 at the bottom of the ninth innings. Bases are loaded. The pitch count is full three balls, two strikes, and then this happens. And now what? He's out. They have called strike three.
16: Wow.
13: This is mayhem. Oh. Automatic strike three called with the bases loaded in a tie game in the bottom of the ninth. This is baseball in 2023. Oh, the two strike strikeout. That's it. Two outs at the bottom
10: of the ninth. 3-2. Bases are juiced. And he wasn't
11: alert in time. And they punch him out.
4: Yeah, Smither, you can hear the booze raining down there in the crowd. <laughs> crowd. Cal Conley wasn't sitting in the batter's box with eight seconds to go. Uh, the Empire called an automatic strike. That was the end of the innings, end of the game. Uh, checking with the league afterwards, uh, ESPN did state that the correct call was Made for that to be an automatic strike. So, good to that, this kind of thing is, uh, you know, they iron out the kinks in spring training, but can you imagine something like that affecting the World Series later on, Smithy? Oh, God, imagine it. There's going
1: to be such a precedent for it, and they are going to test the umpires to the limit, or test the clock to the limit. You ever seen how often uh, every single pitch they adjust their glove straps? Have you seen that with batters? Why do they do that all the time? If it felt comfortable 10 seconds ago, surely it feels... Comfortable now, is that not right?
4: Yeah, I think it's. I mean, like a lot of things, it's just down to their rhythm. It's down to their, you know, what they always do. It's their, it's their routine. Uh, I, I've read that Manny Machado has already complained that he felt rushed, I'm sure quite a few batters might be feeling that way. But I mean, it's professional sport; they'll get used to it smoothly. So that's what's happening in baseball now. Across the ditch in uh, cricket. We've been celebrating the Australian women's cricket team, but there was also the National Women's Cricket League final over the weekend. South, uh, South Australia needed four runs with five wickets in hand, with one over remaining in the National uh, Women's Cricket League final against Tasmania. That sounds like it's in the bag, doesn't it? This is what happened.
13: She faces Sarah Coit down the wicket, and she is bold. Oh boy. Big moment, she bowls short to Wellington, they run with the shot, they'll take a single. It gets, it's Kavanagh at a third. It gets Barsby on strike. Three to win, two to tie, four balls left. Coit's in. Barsby is stopped, she's out, she's out. She's been stopped by Emma maddox can you believe this? She faces Coit, and she hits it hard. It's off the arms out again! Can you believe this? Can you believe it? That is ricocheted. There it was, struck well, and it might have been deliberate. Wellington, now she's hit again on the pads. and oh, she's out! Oh, she's out! This is extraordinary. It's quite to Mashangwe, and she hits it hard. It's up to mid-off. It's a single, and it won't be enough. The Tigers have won it! They've gone back-to-back. Can you believe that?
4: They have gone back-to-back in the most dramatic circumstances. Wicket single wicket 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 and you finish with a run out tasmania win by a run after bowling south australia eight out absolute scenes there smithy crazy and uh i think we
1: can believe it i think the commentator used it every time every time <laughs> can you believe this can you believe it can you believe yeah we can we can it actually happened wow what drama there in that that women's uh, final uh, brilliant stuff what else you got for us
4: Uh, quickly on the Ice Ferns I sort of talked about them last week they were in the WHF World Champs in South Africa there, that all wrapped up this morning, Uh, I'll set the scene for you for the final day in Cape Town New Zealand v Australia first up uh, was looking like it would decide who gets the silver and who gets the bronze unless Australia won Uh, then Belgium were guaranteed gold unless South South Africa caused a major upset there and Australia defeated the Ice Ferns in the previous game, well in the end, Australia won 5-2 over New Zealand, the Ice Ferns did get off to a red hot start 2-0 but they weren't able to keep that going, I can just imagine how amazing that would have been if that result came through uh, and Belgium won 4-1 over South Africa. So gold goes to Belgium, Australia silver and the Ice Ferns will finish with a bronze in their first international outing since uh, 2020 so my hat my hat goes off to them Smithy and uh, just lastly, We've been very busy here at SCNZ with the Warriors, the season is getting underway. Uh, Last Wednesday I was head down uh, in my laptop going through all the interviews uh, that Tony Kemp did at the season launch. And of course the big question around Cam George is uh, what excites him about 2023?
2: This country's in need of a little bit of inspiration, and I think our players are taking that on board as we build up the round one. We've seen a resilience factor really embedded into our team. Uh, we've got some really good depth around around the club, um, and that's really pleasing to see. And our young kids are starting to put their hand up, and you know they're really inspired by the experience and the opportunity, so hopefully they shine through. And I just want, you know, Robbo said it tonight, we, we all want just commitment, and we all want to have a crack, and if you, if you, um, you know, if you're deciding not to do that, well, we're got to be pretty quick at moving on because this club's not going to stand for that sort of, you know, standard anymore. Um, we've reset the club this year in a lot of different ways, and our behaviours and expectations are one big part of that.
4: Attitude was a big thing you heard last year, Smithy. So I can imagine what you hear there from Cam George is pretty pleasing. Yeah, pretty
1: pleasing, um, and uh, you know. It's all very well to talk tough, you've got to back it up. And uh, that's what they've got to do on a a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis, and it starts, of course, this weekend uh, with the Knights on the field. So uh, that was the Sports Desk, uh, courtesy of uh, Logan Swinkles, of course, who's now got to hop across uh, to another chair and become Quizmaster extraordinaire. Just an update while he does that. It's 2.36 for four, 2.36 for four, so Williamson, 36. Daryl Mitchell has has quickly moved through to 12 uh, already so uh, we'll take a quick break uh, with the news from Aroha uh, and then we invite you to call 0800 150 811 0800 150 811 we're playing for 50 bucks this morning to Stump Smithy at uh, the beginning of a new week
9: Vodafone
0: has one awesome summer of sport lined up for you Ian Smith's had a good match here.
7: Stumped by Smithy. Ian
0: Smith
15: really is top class at his job.
4: It's a new week here on ECNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. And for Stumped, we're playing for a $50 TAB bonus bet. Smithy, I won't give you the categories just yet, but it's been such a massive weekend of sport. No doubt Super Rugby returning was your highlight.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, it was, and um, I really admired the performance of the Chiefs. The second half performance was stellar, really. Um, I suppose, in a corny sort of way, I suppose we might as well throw Clayton McMillan's name in the hat, too, as all black head coach, because he quite clearly was able to outcoach the 1 1 and the betting man, and Razor Robertson. He says, just joking, not <laughs> wanting to uh, cause a storm. Uh, but, you know, uh, that's got Leon McDonald, 15 out of 16 for the Blues. 15 out of 16. Honestly, and this Nisbo said on Friday, not easy going down there first up to go down to and play under the roof in Dunedin. 60 points to 20. And the Hurricanes, the Hurricanes. I thought, you know, they were outstanding performances from those three sides. Um, you know, to, to knock over the Reds. Okay, it wasn't Townsville, so it wasn't quite um, uh, at, at home at uh, Suncorp, but it was a big win and a second half performance. And you look for this Peter Lackey. Peter Lackey, uh, to run on the shoulder of uh, Adi Savia this year. Look out.
4: Yeah, he's a name I'm definitely hearing floating around in the circles, but you've got to be careful what you say about Razor because I can I can hear the text lines on the Temper Bear Post X machine just firing up already with uh, Razor fans getting ready to <laughs> say what they want to say. But first at the crease, for Stumped Elise, we've got Scott, who is from Christchurch. Come in, mate.
9: G'day, how we going, guys?
4: We're good. Uh, how you feel after the weekend? A bit of an early setback.
9: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm ABC. Anyone but Crusaders, so uh, it doesn't doesn't bother me too oh. much that they uh, got a toweling up.
1: <laughs> okay. Anyone but Crusaders. That's interesting. Are Absolutely. You a, a cantab, are you a diehead? Can'tab though. Are you born and bred?
9: No, no, not at all. I'm uh, from New Plymouth, so um, oh, right. Hurricanes fan.
1: But, yeah but aren't the, aren't the Taranaki side of it And the Chiefs now?
9: Well they are but um, yeah Tried and true I'll stick with my, okay. uh, with, with my loyalties
4: Okay
1: right thanks for being loyal To the show as well you've got the opportunity to win A $50 bonus bet uh, Logan tell uh, Scott what his category Options are please
4: I like Scott alright here we go The topics for you to choose from are Basketball, golf and Soccer football take your pick
9: Let's go. Let's go. Soccer
4: football. Good luck. All right. First question for you, Scott. The FIFA Women's World Cup is less than six months away, and our football fans have had a difficult build-up to the tournament, seemingly unable to score goals. What country did the football ferns score their last goal against?
9: Um. I'm gonna. You know, I'm not sure, but I'm going to say China.
11: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
1: Smithy, over mm. to you. Um, I'm going to say they scored against Canada.
4: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Scott was in the closer area geographically. Korea, Olivia Chance. Back in Christchurch, 15th of November 2022, and that was a one-all draw. Scott, you're still alive. Still in it. S- second question. Ah, <sighs> this is a this is one for the Man U fans. Um, Manchester United won their sixth EFL Cup this morning, beating Newcastle 2-0. Which English club holds the record for most EFL Cup titles in history?
9: Most EFL. Um, I know Arsenal holds the FA Cup record. Um, let's go with um, let's go with Man City.
11: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
4: Very solid guess because Man City are second with eight. Smithy, do you know who who has more than that? Liverpool. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, cool as you like. Liverpool have nine. So, sorry, Scott, you have been dismissed. Stumped back to the pavilion for you. And we're going to the Manawatu for our second contestant, Carrie. How are you doing, mate?
2: Yeah, good morning, guys.
1: Carrie, good morning to you. The Manawatu, the mighty Manawatu, as Bill McLaren, uh, with that great Scottish voice who I'm hopeless at imitating, would say. Kent Lambert from the mighty Manawatu. Uh, what? A, okay, we well, football. Question three
4: for Kerry. Good luck, Kerry. Last question. Fifty dollars TSB bonus bit up for grabs for you here, Kerry. Man City's Erling Haaland is leading the Premier League for goals scored with twenty-seven, beating second place by nine. Who was second on the goal-scoring list with eighteen?
10: Oh. Um. Uh.
4: No, I wouldn't have a clue. You want to f- just try a name?
9: Um, I got Hardy Severe.
11: One of the worst things <laughs> I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Hardy oh, with the
4: round ball. Good. Uh Smithy, over to you, mate. I'm
1: tending to think it's um the uh the Man United Man United guy who's having a terrific season. Um. Come back into the fold. What is his name? What is his name? Nah, I haven't got, I'll have to give you a name as well. Nice oh, uh, Harland. Um, oh, no. Jamie Vardy. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
4: I think you were thinking of Marcus Rashford. But I was. You'll be kicking yourself now, Smithy, being the Spurs man. You are, because it's oh, Harry, no, it's Harry. Br- again. Oh no, it's Harry Kane.
1: Jesus, that's bad. Oh that's bad. Carry you the benefit of my stupidity this morning again.
2: Good man. Yeah, well, so, it wasn't my though.
15: So
1: cheers. Oh, I should've got Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Good old Joey's coming with a text. Glory, glory, man united. Glory, glory, man united. When the Reds go marching on, Harry Who? Uh, I should have looked at that text. I should have looked at that text before that question. Carrie, stay on the line. You are a winner this morning. You get a fitty. Uh, Brian will get your details and we'll play Stump Smithy at the same time tomorrow morning. Good luck uh, getting through with your calls. It is coming up to 11 41 for uh, when not if, wasn't it, uh, with Kane? And he's going to go on, uh, hopefully, from our point of view, um, to rack up a lot more. Uh, and in the process of doing that is uh, along with Daryl Mitchell who's come out and scored 27 very quickly off 30 balls, giving New Zealand now a lead of 27 runs so uh, Williamson is 38, not out uh, Mitchell is uh, clocking it uh, he's 27, not out after 30 and yes it's 253 for 4 An in intriguing uh, final round 2 at the Honda Classic uh, we've got Chris Kirk and Eric Cole battling it out uh, Cole is... Uh, uh, so a par five, the last. He's got a, a little bladed chip that he's going to play um, to try and get to up and down, I would imagine, for par. Uh, Chris Kirk hit his second in the drink, so he's got about a 25-footer for par. Otherwise... They might be staring down the barrel of a playoff there. So uh, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, love hearing that pronunciation of Manawatu, Smithy. My dad always says it like that. He loved uh, listening to Bill McLaren. Good stuff. That was uh, from Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate that. Uh, Marcus said, uh, Morning, Smithy. Well, two totally different opinions from the experts this morning. Steve Devine on The Breakfast Show said the new rules made no difference. Carmo said the game was heaps faster. My mates are 50-50. Some said it was quicker. Others just turned it off, uh, each to their own. There you go. Some turned it off. Uh, Smithy good morning. Love the show. The technical policing of rugby is still frustrating and stifling. Uh, the style of game that they want to provide when a prop's hand or knee goes down in the scrum, yet the ball is cleared, there is an advantage uh, to the opposition. If they don't, if they then drop the ball or kick it away, they go back for a penalty, a second bite of the cherry. Could also be seen as a safety issue, so at best it should be a free kick and not a long arm penalty. This would also encourage quicker clearance and play. The same should apply to a player unwittingly caught in a ruck yet trying to extricate himself. Man, it gets frustrating. Phil, uh, excellent text there. So uh, thanks very much for your communication this morning. Um, Eric Cole has finished at minus fourteen. Uh, Chris Kirk has about a twenty footer for par. Uh, if he was to uh, if he was to sink that, uh, he would have uh, won up with uh, fifteen, probably about twenty-three feet actually to putt. Um And uh, we'll keep you updated with uh, what happens uh, there. Uh, the cricket still uh, trucking along quite nicely Uh, and uh, lots of uh, other uh, stories to talk about in the world of sport, yes um, Kane Williamson, I'll just get that list out from New Zealand's point of view Uh, Kane Williamson now 7684 Ross Taylor 7683 Stephen Fleming 7172 on the show uh, last week very own Brendan McCullum 6453 and 101 test matches, Martin Crowe Five four 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 and seventy seven Test matches. It's uh, fifteen less than Kane was able to do it in. John Wright came with uh, fifteen Test less than Kane was able to to get up past Ross Taylor's mark. John Wright five, 5 three three four. Tom Latham, uh, don't write him off. Tom Latham, uh, he's uh, currently in seventh spot uh, with five zero three eight. So yes, Kane Williamson seven six eight four now. Uh, Kane plays another 10 tests uh, minimum. That's another couple of years of test cricket. From our point of view, we don't tend to play that many. Uh, he's going to get up over 8,000, and it's going to take uh, some knocking off and a long, long period of time. It is a sudden death playoff between Chris Kirk and Eric Cole at uh, the Honda Classic. And uh, incidentally, there's a little side story to Eric Cole. He is the son of a woman by the name of Laura Bohr. Now, Laura Bohr back in um, the late, the mid to late 70s, Uh, in terms of women's golf, was an absolute standout teenage prodigy. Absolutely there. She's had a real checkered life. uh, she's had four marriages. She's had uh, a horrible spate with uh, alcoholism. But there she is striding the fairways alongside uh, her son, hoping like heck that the family genes, golfing genes, can uh, come through and he can become a PGA champion. And that would probably set him up for life. 11.50 here on SENZ.